This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to episode 175 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm your host, Gary, and for all those Ben haters out there, it's a special edition for you because he ain't here. Instead, I have got the one and only Jake Todge. How are you doing, Jake? Oh, I should not have brought that up. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good, Gaz. Um, fresh coming back from the uh, the Kassam on Tuesday night. Just happy that we were able to get a win. But no, all good, mate. Yeah, you've got to tell the Todge story, though, haven't you? Because it's, it's yeah, not a genitals no, reference. Yeah, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go with that. I was, um, I just my mates sent me a text maybe the other night one night in the week and it was the fact that Cornell was live streaming on his YouTube channel and uh it was giving a massive shout out to us lot at the Stacey West. So he said Gary Hutchinson, Ben Ward, which I didn't massively agree with. Um and then he just went Jake Todge. And now ever since all my mates have been calling me Todge all week. I had it all in the cut in the car on the um on the way to, I think it was to Oxford as well. So yeah, it's um, it's a new nickname. It's not one I've heard before. I normally get called far worse, um, but Todd just seems to stick at the moment. And now I feel like it's what you're going to call me every time uh, we're working together. If I remember, absolutely. I mean, it's an opportunity <laughs> that I simply can't can't possibly miss. You see, because I was going to go with a different lead, and obviously you and I knew that we were the pair in this week um, yeah. at the beginning of the week, and I was going to go with the miserable bastard pair um, headed oh. because you and I bumped into each other, didn't we, on the way back yeah. from the Forest Green game. Um, yeah. had, had somebody pissed on your chips at the game, Jake? Because you weren't oh. happy, were you? No, do you know what it was? It was I was ill. I I woke up on Saturday morning like absolutely horrendously ill. And the last thing you want to do when you're ill is go to watch the football because well the way we do it, it's a it's a massive long day out because you're out early in the morning and you get home late at night. And I just that's the last thing I wanted to do. And the fact that we didn't win uh, when potentially we probably could have won and probably should have won just it really really can infuriated me and. I was just a miserable sod all the way, walking all the way home and getting on the bus. Um, 
you know, it, I had a massive sign on my head, do not talk to me. Um, it was one of those. So, yeah, I think well, I think your dad agreed with me, though, from what I can remember. Yeah, because that's that's the worst time to catch dad as well. When um, pre-game, he was saying, I think we're going to win three or four nil when we scored. Let's be honest, we should have gone on and won the game. We'll, we'll come to that in a second. Um, and I'm not going to say we, we let them back in as such. You know, they made the right substitutions. Um, got a goal from you, know, you could call call partly a Lincoln error, but it was a situation where at one 0 I thought we were safe. I didn't think they had particularly threatened us. I thought that's it. We might get enough to make it safe. We might not. You're looking up the division, um, and, and you don't look at league tables at this point. So and then it, then the goal goes in, and my dad goes like that from happy to sad, and we've done nothing but bicker all the way down to the uh, to the road. And we just got to a point where we'd agreed not to talk, uh, pretty much. And then you came in. Woo, 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 that was rubbish. And Dad's like, well, this guy knows it's rubbish. He does this West podcast. You're the only one that doesn't think it's rubbish. Because everyone thinks like me. And by the time we got to the Ivy Club, and he had got a nice full pint in front of him, and my mate Chris had, had, had come in, sat with us, and he was saying, oh, well, we did this right, and we did that right, and we pressed here. Dad was like... Yeah, yeah, I suppose it wasn't too bad, was it? It's like, you see, Jake, you made it worse. You made it yeah. worse. I'm just miserable, Gaz. That's that's exactly why I got the uh, the name of one part of the Misery Twins last year or the year before. Was it the season before this last one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. That's exactly the why. And, and my mates will absolutely back that up. I'm an absolute miserable git, especially when Lincoln don't win. I'm, like, I'm one of those people, Gaz. I don't know if, it, if it's you as well, but... If Lincoln don't win, I just don't watch the highlights. I just refuse to watch the highlights. If we win, I want to watch it again. If we lose or we draw, I'm like, no, not interested. Can't be bothered. I don't want to see Lincoln do well. I watch them back mainly because obviously I'm researching articles or whatever. I, I like to watch key moments back. Um, usually if we lose, I won't sit and watch the Sky highlights. But if it's a draw, I will. And then, you know, I, need, I wanted to analyse the, the two goals, really. Um, because you know, coming on to the game, it was it was a it was a tough one, and it was one that you wouldn't want to watch the first thirty minutes back in in normal time because it it's what I described as a sticky game. You know, it, it was hot outside. You know, when you're walking on a hot road and the, you're sticking on the tarmac and you're pulling your feet up, the players looked like they were playing on that on wet tarmac, and that was the same for both teams. And I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I was you know, I was warm in the stands. It, it was it yeah. was mega hot, and then obviously the change. I mean, we'll, we'll only talk briefly about Forest Green, so we've got another one to come on to as well. But, yeah, the, the change quite early on with, with Jordan Garrick and Tashan completely changed the complexion, I thought, of our game. I thought we should have had two, maybe, uh, goals before half-time. We came out in the second half. OK, it was an own goal, um, but it wasn't a calamitous own goal. It wasn't an own goal where their players kind of been into an unforced error. It was a good cross into the right area. It was pressure in the right, the right positions. Um, and I thought we were doing really well up till that point, to be honest. And I thought we were going to go on and win the game. And then, you know, they made their change. And I, I seem to remember on the podcast, you might be able to, you might remember this. I um, don't know if it was pre-season or not. I said, Connor Wickham's not a good sign in Forest Green. Um, he has a terrible scoring record in League One. <laughs> the second I see him coming on, bloody hell. Mm. Um, but it was, to be honest, like a lot of people blame, blaming Jamie Robson for the goal. I thought TJ could have done a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, um, just just to give my thoughts, and I thought the game sort of was a bit of a parallel to the Exeter game in the first half in many ways. I think um, we were pretty poor in the first sort of 
you know, 20 minutes. And it took something to spark us into life. Last time against Exeter, it was the goal in 15 minutes. This time it was the, the change of, of uh, Tashan coming off and Jordan coming on that, that really did it. And Jordan played really well, didn't he? First time in front of a, a home crowd, probably should have scored. I think he had an air shot first, didn't he? Where I think he probably yeah. should have scored. Then he put, then he had a couple of runs in from from the right hand side where the keepers made two saves. That you know, you back if you if if he's played a run of games and he scored a goal or two, he probably puts both of them away, um, which is disappointing. Um, and then again, similar to the extra game after the second uh, after half time, um, we assert a dominance shortly after and go and score a goal. I mean, it was a pretty good uh, pretty good goal from our point of view, wasn't it? Um, Good ball in from Scully and was it Bailey Bailey Cargill wasn't it, that, that that put it in? Obviously, he we've been linked to him before, haven't we? I think when we come up first into this league, we, we were linked with him when he was at Bournemouth. So, um, so yeah, and then obviously the goal from Conor Wickham. I don't particularly think it was Robson's fault. Obviously, opposition the the system they play relies heavily on the wing backs putting crosses into the box. If you watched them last year, I think they probably put one of the most amount of crosses into the box in League Two with Kane Wilson and Nicky Cadden. And, and Corey O'Keefe, I think it is, they had at right wing back, can put a really dangerous ball into the box. Um, and he did so. And I, for me, uh, I laid the blame on the goal on TJ, like you guys. I think he could have been so much stronger. Um, Connor Wickham's a big lad and, and just out muscled him and made TJ look a bit like a rag doll and then stuck it away. Carl Rush, nothing he could do about it, stuck it away nicely. And then from then on in, I thought there was going to be one team that were going to win it and it wasn't Lincoln City, unfortunately. No, I do I do think just with their goal as well, there was the little rush of blood from Jamie Robson, people shouting, shoot. And that was literally, you know, he, he kind of, where their keeper had come right out and he thought yeah. we might get our second here and, and then the crowd shouted, shoot, and he did it and everyone was like, oh, not like that. And it kind of thing, well, yeah. I wish people wouldn't shout, shoot, you know, let them make the decision. So he made one bad decision, but I thought on the whole, I thought Jamie Robson... Um, had a really strong game, and, and at the end of the game, a draw was probably a fair result. Uh, I think, you know, as you say, they were they were certainly stronger in the second half. Um, I think they went say a little bit more direct. I mean, it wasn't long ball or anything like that, but they just seemed to strengthen up a little bit. Uh, I thought they struggled to get Reese Brown into the game. I like Reese Brown. I think he's got great technique in the middle of the park. Uh, but when he got on the ball, I thought he looked dangerous. He was able to carry the ball transition from their half to our half. But I thought with Marshall been pretty well. I thought the midfield worked well for, for a hot day. I thought Lass Sorensen had a really good game. Max Sanders wasn't quite on it as much as as, as he used, as he has been, and certainly as he was a couple of days later. Um, but it was I can understand your frustration, joking aside, coming away from that game because it's the we were doing all the right things right again and we didn't get the result. So obviously mm. something was, you know, there was a moment of errors and that sort of thing. Um and then we go on to Tuesday and it was completely different. Yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday was great. I loved. I absolutely loved it. That that first half. Um, do you know what I thought, guys? I, I spoke to my Oxford supporting mates about this. I actually think Oxford slightly outshaded us in the first half in terms of keeping the ball and territory. They had a couple of chances from range. I think Brannigan dragged one wide. They had a few corners. Matty Taylor was, you know, making some really clever runs into the channels. Um, and, but we had the two chances and took it. And the reason I think we had the two chances, I've, I've said this on on the, the show we did on YouTube. Um, I think it was, you know, like you just mentioned there, the Max Sanders, the third man runs from Max Sanders, going on and causing 
um, their, their midfielders' problems because Brannigan didn't know whether to stay with him or Ben House, who was also getting pretty far forward. And then the defenders, well, Tom Hopper takes up the two centre-halves and the full-backs were pretty um, busy with Garrick and Scully and it allowed Max Sanders to run three and cause you know problems in that in that sort of half space area and and then ultimately that's where the ball the goal comes from isn't it it's Jordan Garrett putting it out to to Scully and a, a good ball in right in the middle of the center halves and and Tom Hopper's there with a great header thumping header and really really good and and you know what the 350 fans that that, that went um it was like raptures Gary it, it, it was great because we weren't expecting it at the time and because we thought Oxford had passed the ball around really well and, and were probably the better team so the first goal definitely came as a bit of a shock. I don't know if it, if it did to you, if you were watching it from home. No, I was at a gig in York. Um, and so I kind of, I, I wasn't able to watch it. I have watched it back actually on uh, Y Scout, kind of the, the key moments and stuff. You're quite right about them shading the first half. Not in terms of efforts, um, four shots to one and five to three. All of our shots, all of our, all of our efforts came in the first half and we had far less possession. Everything that we did, we did well though we worked very hard out of possession some of the shape that we kept was very very good um and we took our chances when they came uh, and like you say max sanders worked really hard i was impressed with ben house playing essentially in the central midfield role uh i've kind of champ not gonna say championed him but people have talked about him as being a center forward i've seen his build i've seen the runs he makes i see that you know how he is how he how he looks after the ball how he plays ball for me he's screaming out to be converted to an eight um, or, or, or even a 10, like a, a support striker or an attacking midfielder. And like you say, I think him and Sanders worked so well together. Um, really exciting looking central midfield, to be fair. And it was one of the areas I think we need to strengthen. I still do. We'll come on to that in a bit. Um, but, you know, you don't go to a place like Oxford and take a 2-0 a first half lead without doing something special. And you know, special word, I think, for Tom Hopper as well. Because people have already been on Tom's case coming out of the sat of the game on Saturday, we need a we need a fox in the box, we need an out and out striker. It's the laziest, laziest punditry, the laziest comments that I've ever heard. We need a twenty goal a season striker. It doesn't just happen like that. And people say things like, "Well, we need to put two up top. We need to put Kendall up top with with Hopper because Kendall scored loads of goals for Eastbourne Borough." And I think, okay, so if you do that, where do you take the other player from? You can't go, "Oh, we're going to play twelve players." You take somebody out of that. Um, and, and puts so, you know, so Tom Hopper is our striker, he's our number nine, he's our captain, he's our talisman, and people are on his case already, just like they were in 21, 2021. And they you go, know, Oh, he's not good enough. The year that we got to within 90 minutes of the championship, when we didn't have him last year, you saw what he did. What he's done this year already is it's not all of his fighting, all of his aerial duels, by which he's won probably twice as many, I think, as nearly any other Lincoln City player so far this season, but he's he scored two goals as well. And it's getting to a point, what's he got now? Two in four? Did he play against yeah, Doncaster? He didn't play, uh, did he? No, no. No, he, he didn't, didn't start. So if he, he did can't. that all season, he'd end up with 23. He won't. That's no disrespect to him. It won't keep happening. But I'll tell you something, we're now putting the sorts of balls into the box that a striker like Tom Hopper thrives on. He's not one that you put across the six-yard area and he arrives at the back post. They're not always the runs he makes. If you put something in the air... He is the sort of player that can do something with him in the air. And we haven't put those crosses in for a long, long while. I think that was really, that's been evident from the first game. And I wonder, is that Mark Kennedy playing to Tom's strengths? Get the ball in the box early. We've got because he is he doesn't look at it, but he's a big, strong, nasty bastard, Tom mm-hmm. Hopper. He's every bit as big, strong, and nasty as Matty Taylor, who was ineffective, by the way, for Oxford. 
Yeah. Um, so I don't know if maybe that's something that we've decided to focus on and, and, and try and play to Tom's strengths. I hope so, because, you know, in, in the second half, I think I think most of the time when the ball was coming in, they had a load of corners and put the pressure on of, with crosses and Tom was back defending. I, 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 I am interested, Gary, I don't know if you'd be able to find this on Scout. how many of the other, you know, the, the, the target men forwards in this division have won. I bet they've not no won nowhere near as many he- defensive headers as Tom Hopper does, because um, Tom Hopper is massively, you know, a massive part of defending those set pieces, isn't he? And then, um, you know, a really good centre forward that doesn't get the credit. Um, I mean, I, I have been guilty myself of saying maybe he might work better with a partner like Kendall. I completely understand why people would say that because it's that. Um, big man, little man partnership up front that that did so well for the likes of Portsmouth in the Premier League, etc. And I can see why people might think that Kendall and uh, and Hopper would work together. But then, like you say, you've got to take someone else out of the team. You've got to take a midfielder out of the team. And at the moment, midfield looks somewhere that we're increasingly strong because we've not even had Danny Mandrew come back yet, who who is probably one of those that you'd think is going to start given the fact we pay the fee for him. So, um, and then, yeah, moving on to the second goal, if I can, Gaz, that uh, I, I think it was pressure from um, Max Sanders won it again in midfield, pressing the, the, the centre-halves. Um, and then it created an overload down the left-hand side where all you're thinking for Scully is just um, slide it into Max and, and he's through on goal. But Anthony Scully, when he's on that left-hand side and he's got an opportunity to cut in with, with his right foot, you know, you ask fans of Cambridge United, of Charlton Athletic, of Fleetwood Town, how devastating that right foot can be curling in from the left and what a finish. I mean, I've I've heard people and I've, I've certainly said it sometimes myself, Anthony Scully can be quite frustrating in the fact that all it seems to do is have is, is a one-trick pony in many ways where he cuts in on the right-hand side, uh, on his right foot, sorry, and, and bends it in and, and is quite selfish. Um but I, I don't personally think, guys, and you might dis- disagree. I think Anthony Scully's best position is is as a number nine. I think he's a strike. I think he's a a striker uh, to play through the middle off somebody like maybe a Tom Hopper. Um, I, I, and I think um, it just that gives him a little bit less predictability. The fact that he can go both ways, whereas on the left hand side, I feel like he's pinned almost to go into the down onto his right foot. Um, but no, nonetheless, from from Anthony, a really good finish and a really good goal. I mean, didn't see it coming. Um, I thought we were going to sort of go towards the break, just one goal up. But that second goal seemed to surprise everyone. And um, no, really good finish from Anthony, and, uh, and glad that he can get his first, you know, proper league goal of the season because I think he scored nearly thirty five in two two years, hasn't he? Yeah, two and a half because he was with us. Yeah. Um, for, for half a season as well. Yeah. What what you, what you've got with um with Anthony Scully is, I, I I'm going to disagree with nearly every point that you've made. Um, yeah. to be honest, <laughs> which is surprising. Um, because that's what I tend to do. I, I don't think he's a number nine at all. Uh, I don't. I can see where you you would put why you would play him there, and I could see how he would work. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think if he's if he's either he's not a sole striker. You don't play him through the middle yeah. on his own. There's no doubt about that. But you don't with Charlie Kendall and you don't with Ben House. Um, I could see Scully playing eight, but having talked to him, I don't think he's a big one for his defensive duties. Um, I think he, he said to me in pre-season, I hate doing the defensive work. Um, mm. So at the minute, his best position probably is on the wing, and I don't even see him particularly as a winger because he doesn't have the pace. 
And actually, wingers that lack pace are not Mark Kennedy's thing. That's why Hacks has gone. That's why Chris Maguire is being put to one side. He doesn't like wingers with without pace. And and Scully, whilst he's not slow, um, probably isn't isn't as as strong as you would you would kind of hope. But like you say, he does cut in. And when your one trick pony, so to speak, um, is doing as well as he is, you've got to, you've just got to find a space for him on the pitch. And and you think if we do sign, I mean, this, we'll talk about it later. But we're talking about signing another winger. Um, so we, we, we've got Garrick, we've got Vernon. We're potentially signing another one. Does Scully get in? Well, you've, you've got two, maybe three there that are quicker than him. You've got not going to play him through the centre. And when we go to two up top, which we have done, you know, we, we've reshaped and, and kind of gone to up top. Certainly against Oxford, we went to it's classed as a, a five-three-two or a three-five-two. Yeah in the last 20 minutes, you could see Scully playing there, but he's not going to be someone bringing on for 20 minutes. What you've got really here is, I think, and, and and you know, I might get shot down for this. I think you've got a player that we would be happy to sell. Not because we want rid of him, but because um, the system that we play isn't one that naturally suits him. But you can't leave him out because... Gareth Ainsworth scored, um, I can't remember exactly how many it was, something like 34 goals in 97 appearances. Uh, and Anthony Scully is is a couple of goals short of that. So whatever Ainsworth's total is, Scully is like three goals short in four more, five more appearances. That's a phenomenal return. Gareth Ainsworth is revered as a legend at Lincoln City for his goal scoring, for the way that he was cut, cut inside, for, for the personality that he had. And yet you still get people who will be calling Scully anything that they come from the from the touchline i don't get it what he did against oxford was he won us the game not in his overall performance but if we go in at half time one nil okay yeah they scored from the penalty that that may not necessarily happen but you go in one nil at half time you only need to nick a goal the home team's back in it heads can drop two nil lead at half time if you defend stoically like we did if you battle if you put bodies on the line even if you concede you're still in the lead so his goal from nowhere, in my opinion, has given us the, the result. So, yeah. and it, sorry to the listeners if there's a little bit of an echo, occasionally I hear myself in Jake's audio uh, because he's not using headphones. So, um, just to clarify why you might hear me in the background. So, yeah, I've, I've just been looking at um, aerial jewels, Tom Hopper 67 aerial jewels. Um, is it Timothy Dieng at Exeter 56? So there's yeah. 11 more from the next highest. And and it's 14 more than Joe Ironside, 16 more than um, the boy Taylor at Cheltenham and 51 more than Lewis Freestam at Cheltenham, who, who were struggling. Um, I'm just looking per 90 minutes. That's 15, 15 and a half per 90 minutes. Uh, percentage success rate He's not in the top five on that. But then going up against defenders, you probably wouldn't expect him to be. Um, I wonder what his percentage success rate in his own penalty area is. Tenth. Tenth percentage success rate of aerial jewels in his own penalty area. Bear in mind, that includes goalkeepers. So that includes yeah. goalkeepers coming out. So defensive headers, he is the top centre forward in League One. In fact, only, <laughs> it's quite, this is quite ironic. The only other one in the top 25 is John Marquis. <laughs> John Marquis and Tom Hopper, the only strikers in the top 25 uh, with percentage of success in their own penalty area. But it's interesting that Ioma, Jamie Robson and Paudi O'Connor are all also in the top 25 percentage success rate. 
So actually, yeah. we're dominating, and and that's proven, I think, by the second half performance. Yeah, the, the second half performance was was spirited, wasn't it? Um, you know, Oxford. I think they probably got a bit of a a, a bollocking from Carl Robinson at halftime, and probably rightly so. They played nowhere near to the levels that, that they can do because they've got some talented lads. I think um, McGrain in midfield, the lad that was at Forest, he really, really impressed me. Lewis Bate was someone that that I thought did really well in the first half. Although my mate who supports Oxford, he reckoned he had a shocker. Um, they threw the kitchen sink at it, and when you've got a player like Cameron Brannigan who is earning a lot of money. Um, and has interest in the championship for what maybe three years consecutively, um, you know, forcing you on. You've got a striker of Matty Taylor's quality, and they're throwing the kitchen sink at it. I know it's lazy, guys, and I don't think you'd have liked it, but I think last year we probably would have crumbled under that the pressure. I know it's last year's regime. I think we would have crumbled under yeah, it. Would, yeah. and gone on and conceded three goals. Whereas, you know, I, I don't think apart. I think they had one chance. I think Elliot Moore had a chance that he should have scored. Billy Bowden definitely had a chance he should have scored before the penalty. Um, before the penalty, um, and then obviously they, they, they win the, the penalty from the corner, which it's a soft penalty for me. Um, I think if you're looking at it, I don't know who the, the I think it's Carl Joseph, isn't it? They've just signed from Swansea. Um, I think him, he's holding Max's shirt as much as Max is holding his shirt. Ultimately, he just falls on the floor, and, and the referee goes to give the penalty. And it look, it's a it's a great penalty from Brannigan, but. After that, um, you know, they, they threw the kitchen sink and Mark Kennedy, you know, like you alluded to, just changed shape, brought Sean Rowan on and, and brought some other lads on. Um, Tashan came on, didn't he? Charlie came on also um, and, and changed system. And I thought we looked pretty, you know, pretty pretty comfortable because, you know, you, you can trust Paulie O'Connor and Regan Paul to block absolutely everything. Um, Jordan Wright made saves when he needed to. I remember the, there was one down to his right, I think, early in the second half. There was certainly a couple down to his left that he did well to parry away and uh, and keep out. So, yeah, a really doggy uh, performance. I think it summed it up. I think I think they mentioned it in the, um, the post-match uh, interview with Mark Kennedy as well, where I think it was the end of the game and Regan Paul and Paul O'Connor were both on the floor after after going to block something and they both did a massive chest bump. And for me, that that just makes me happy because, you know, the, you can clearly tell the players are, are, are together and they were dead happy with, with the, the you know, the, the work that they did. And, and, you know, fairly, fairly fair dues because they were literally, I think any one of the back four could have been one of the match, but obviously it's gone to max, but any of the back five were, were definitely, definitely up for it as well. Yeah, I, I, I kind of... I, tend to agree a little bit um i like the fact that we were able to um to kind of reshape and, and go to a, a three at the back it didn't happen enough last season um and and you know i praise michael appleton for sticking to his principles he knew how he wanted to play football and he played football that way um but it didn't always work out for us did it when we lost to mk dons two and a lot you know you're just screaming to go defensive and when you chase the game you're screaming to go to up top mark kennedy's a bit more reactive I think that we've seen um, a positive outcome from that. I'm going to disagree about the penalty. It's a penalty. Um, yeah. Carl Joseph is pulling his shirt as they come into the box, but Sanders is silly enough to hold on to it. And, you know, if you're a striker and you pull a defender's shirt in the box, nine times out of ten, nothing gets given. If you're a defender and you pull a striker's shirt in the box, much more likely to be given. And Max, is it's just naivety. It, and, and you know what? He hasn't pulled him enough to pull him over. I get that. He hasn't. There's not a kind of a, a what's the Chelsea lad who had his hair pulled? There's nothing like that. A yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like if somebody pulled my shirt like that, 
I'm not going to go to the floor because it's not going to take me over. But Carl Joseph's a striker. And if you get your shirt pulled in the box, you're a striker and you don't go down, then more for you. You know, Brennan Johnson would go down from the slightest touch and and, and we obviously um, benefited from that. Sammy Smodich, you don't even need to touch him and he goes down no. in the box. So, <laughs> you know, unfortunately, Max has given the referee a decision to make and it's not criticism. We're talking about defence as well. And, and at the top of the show, we were talking about who was to blame for the Forest Green goal. And I think you know, just to kind of put the other spin on that, um, we, apart from that one mistake, and we've looked solid. I think we've looked solid in, in every game we've played. We looked solid against Portsmouth. Doncaster never troubled us. Um, and, and almost certainly um, Exeter didn't after the first 20 minutes. Like you say, O'Connor's a fighter, a scrapper. is definitely something that we've needed uh, for, for a long while. Regan Paul, we know what Regan Paul's all about. So, um, yeah, it's all it's it, it's certainly a positive. Yeah, and and, and to be fair, um, you know that that first win under a, a new manager in the league is massively important, isn't it? And um, you could tell in the reaction of the of the players um, that it was a big moment uh, for the season and. And Kennedy came over, and the, the players all came over together. And you know, I think it was, like I said, a three hundred and fifty, maybe just short, that that made the trip. And there felt like an actual moment that that Kennedy was stood there a little bit in awe that three hundred and fifty people had driven all that way on a Tuesday night to go and watch Lincoln at Oxford, even though that you know a lot of them thought that we might not even win. Um, and it was a real good moment, um, you know, last year that the. the when the players came over for away days, it was there was pretty much twenty yards away from you and didn't come anywhere near you. But this this lot came almost up to the advertising hoardings and and it was it was fantastic, really really good to see. And uh, Kennedy's no fist bumper, but he definitely uh, definitely has a smile on his face and, and loves a bit of a salute as well. Yeah, it's look the early signs are good, and the thing is after the Forest Green game, uh, this not the season, but the first month was in balance because. Um, I was in Corn Dolly. I've mentioned it on the blog with, with my dad and Roy. My friend Roy was in there as well. And I said, look, this is a crucial game because if you beat Forest Green, you've got five points from three games, you're in credit, you can go to Oxford and Ipswich and, and kind of, um, uh, Oxford and Ipswich, Oxford and Peterborough rather. Sorry, I was distracted there because Jake disappeared off the screen. Um, <laughs> you go to Oxford and Peterborough and you can kind of take a couple of draws or a draw or whatever. And then we drew against Forest Green. It's like, right, it's a rollover. Do you know what I mean? And if you lose against Oxford and you've got three points from four games, that's a tough situation to be in. And if you draw again, four points from four games, you still need to get into credit. So to actually go there and produce a win, and it is against all odds. They do have a phenomenal side. The boy McGuane that you mentioned was at Barcelona as a kid. You know, you've got like a former Barcelona midfield there. You, you didn't mention James Henry as well, who's a player who has tormented us throughout time. You've got Marcus Brown, the winger. I think he was a uh, West Ham, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, was he? Yeah. He was West Ham, wasn't he? A West Ham kid and was at Middlesbrough yeah. and he's gone back to Oxford. These are good footballers. These are footballers that, with the greatest respect, should be beating Lincoln City. And, and I, you know, I mean that genuinely respectfully for us. And you look at our squad and you've got Lass Sorensen who was in and out of the side and last season and nobody really kind of rate. Not, don't mean with respect to him, nobody really rated him. Max Sanders can't get a kick for a year and a half under a coach that was regarded as, as work, doing well working with young players. You've got Ben House, he was a striker for Eastleigh 12 months ago. He's playing central midfielders for us this season. The team that they've got, 
with the experience that they've got and how settled it is and the seniority of some of their players, the likes of Matty Taylor, the likes of James Henry, they, they should be rolling us over. And, and Oxford fans are, are kind of full of malaise and they say, oh, we haven't got the resources to battle with the big boys and we can't do this and we can't do that. I call bullshit. I really do. They sold Gavin White for four odd million. They sold Tarek Fosu. They sold Shandon Baptiste. They, they, they sold Rob Dickey. Do you know what I mean? They, I don't remember if Dickey was a fee or not, but they sell players. Yeah. They make money. They've got a solid, settled side. Guarantee that their wage bill is going to be, I would say, at least £1 million a year more than our wage bill is. It's significant. So for them to be playing down their place in the league, for me, is it, it's turning away from a significant problem that that club hasn't. And in my eyes, that's Carl Robinson. Because with the squad that he's got, that team should be should be top 10, top battling on the edge of the top six. They've been established. You know, We're looking to establish ourselves as a league one side. But if we get to a point where we're selling players for a couple of million pounds and then a team comes to us one season with a with a former Eastley striker playing in central midfield with, with, with players that were deemed surplus to requirements by some fans at the end of last season, kind of finding their feet under a coach who hadn't won a, a League One match up until that point. That's playing us down, I, t I take it. I'd be really, really pissed off if I was Oxford. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I don't want to do us a disservice because it was... You know, it's a phenomenal performance and we've got some senior professionals. We're not some sort of ragtag bunch of, you know, assorted non-entities kind of you know, turning up in different shorts and socks to play or anything like that. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying at the moment, Oxford United should still be a level in terms of the division. I'm not talking in the championship, but they should still be aiming for, you know, middle of the top half. Whereas I think Lincoln City, with everything that's happened, should be aiming for the top of the bottom half. And with that, it was a disappointing result for them. But yeah, yeah, and, and not to forget also they've had I think it was two and a half million for the lad McNally this summer, haven't they? He's gone straight to Burnley. Um, oh, is he? I missed that. So he, yeah, they've just had a cash injection. I think Joe from the preview that I did, he was. Um, it seems like this season is do or die really for Carl Robinson. Um, they've had years where they've got to the playoffs and not quite been successful. Last year they missed that all altogether, didn't they? Um, so this year seems to be a bit of a do or die for Robinson. He's very 50-50 on the fan base at the moment. So, um, no, but I understand that they've got the resources. They've got some fantastic players and they've got some expectant fans. And, you know, they should, you know, they're an established League One club now. You know, we're looking to become Oxford United in the next two to three years, aren't we? Um, so... Yeah, I think they'll. I think they'll be disappointed losing to us, especially given their ambitions and probably given you know ours. You know, not not not, not you say not to to give us a, a bad name or to to play us down in any way, but you expect the teams that have healthier budgets and and yes, they've not done all the business they want, but the business they've done is pretty good. Murphy, uh, is it Josh or Jacob? But they've signed that that's come yeah. from that was at Norwich City. Did really has had a championship career. Yannick Wildshut. From I think it was CSK Sofia he's been playing yeah. at. He's played for Norwich, I think, in the Premier League before. So, you know, that the, the they're not they're not a bad side. They've got some good players, but but um yeah, just just happy we could get on the right side of a result, actually. Because we're yeah. it's not happy hunting ground like Sam, is it? No, I mean I remember when it, it was 2004-2005. We won, I think, two years in a row there, but it hasn't been recently. We've not gone there with a full side. Um, I think yeah. they, on paper, they're great. I think that Oxford, like you say, you say it's do or die. I think they'll have a new manager next season. Wouldn't surprise me if Michael Appleton doesn't kind of keep Blackpool up and then go to Oxford um, to try and recapture some of his past glories. But I, I did feel 
that the game was very much one kind of period slowly crumbling in Carl Robinson and one new era forming in Mark Kennedy. And we, we have played the team down, you know, I'm being a little bit facetious when I say an Eastley striker playing in the middle of the park because Ben House is a very talented footballer who I've already said can play in central midfield. You know, Max Sanders was came up through a Premier League academy. Lass Sorensen has come up through a Premier League academy. So I don't want to try and do our players down, but it, it's that perception. So, um, but uh, yeah, we we're talking there about the midfield. Um, Lass Sorensen, Max Sanders... Uh, ben House, you've got Tashan Oakley-Booth on loan, we've got Ted Bishop can play there, we've got Danny Mandry who could come in, um, and we've now been linked with another name, Alex Gilby from Charlton. Um, it seems like one of the rumours that you tend to listen to a little bit, because it's come from, I think, the London News, Football London, South London Press, something like that. Apparently we're in, in uh, the hunt with Shrewsbury and Lake Orient. You would hope that we would be ahead in that queue because I don't think he'd want to drop into League Two. You know, and he's, he's a former teammate of Joe Walsh, um, who is a Lincoln player, in case people have forgotten, um, and Regan Paul. Uh, so you would hope we're at the head of that queue. Now, I think that's a solid signing. I'll chime in on that in a second, just because um, people might want to hear your voice for a minute or two. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably do, guys, give it knowing how you can go on a bit like Ben sometimes. Um, oh, and Todge. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, um, I think he was... Really impressive, wasn't he, for, for MK Dons in, in League Two, from what I can recall, um, which sort of caught the eye of Charlton, who were one of those teams that were at the top end of League One. I think he helped Charlton. He was in that team that helped Charlton get promoted, um, that beat Sunderland in the playoffs. I think he was part of that side. Um, if not, he joined them while they were in the Championship. So he's got Championship experience as well. Um, obviously, he's a midfielder who's a bit more um, defensive-minded who will play in that four with Lass Sorensen, which I think is good that, that we can provide competition for Lass because, you know, you've described all those midfielders there. How many of them can play the four role comp- competently? Um, you wouldn't trust Teddy Bishop playing as a number four as good a midfielder he is. He's a, a forward-thinking midfielder. Max Sanders, I think, is a better forward-thinking midfielder who, you know, people seem to earmark as the Brick Cup replacement, didn't they, when he first came to the football club? Um, I think Alex Gilby, whether it's a loan, whether it's a permanent or a loan with a view to a permanent, um, is a good move because it's strength in that holding role. It will push Lass to play even better. Um, or if Lass is you know, injured and out of the team, we, we don't lose too much quality there. Um, from what I've seen, um, you know, I think he got sent off against us last season in the, in the game where we lost 2-1. So he's got a bit of temperament as well, which the same as Pordy O'Connor, which... I don't think it's a bad thing, a bit of bite in a midfielder. So, yeah, I think it's a signing that I would like to see us make. Um, like you, I think we're ahead of... You'd you'd hope to be ahead of Shrewsbury and, and Leighton Orient in a queue. If it comes down to location, we might be a bit stuffed. But, um, you know, hopefully the, the fact that we've got some of his former teammates and you know the fact that we've got a win on the board now might just persuade him to, to come and have a go. Um a midfielder, I think. I think he's a little bit of the type of Alex Doran that we were linked to at the, t- at the start of the window. Um, same sort of midfielder, um, does a lot of work, uh, a lot of the defensive work, and gives it. Is very good at giving it to the players that can go and affect the game offensively. So, yeah, a, d- a deal I would like to see Lincoln get done. Um, a player I think we've perhaps been linked with before, um, but but definitely one I'd, I'd like to see the club go out and, and try and sign um, in the next sort of couple of days or so. I've never seen his link with him before. I think I would have been excited if I had, um, because I think he won Player of the Year at MK Dons. 
the year they came up underneath us and then he won player of the year the next year in league one as well so he's, he's a proven league one player um like you I, I i like the type of footballer that he is i think he is a little bit like Gorin, perhaps not quite as as um vicious in the bite but that kind of tenacious player his sending off against us was actually stupid it was two bookings in the space of a couple of minutes it was it was brainless um whether we got under his skin or not i don't know but you, you do want a player that will pick up a yellow card every now and again you've got to take one for the team sort of thing um you just got to be sensible when you do it he's obviously out of uh, out of favorite charlton the irony is he's out of favorite charlton because they've signed conor mcgrandles and jack payne um to play in the midfield so <laughs> You know, and I think anybody, if you said to anybody at Lincoln now, which of those would you want, Conor McGrandles, Alex Gilby or Jack Payne, anybody that actually understands and looks at football would go, well, actually, Gilby's going to be the better fit out of the three for us. That's no disrespect to Conor, good player, drifted in and out a little bit. Um, I will feel a little bit sorry for Lass if Gilby comes in because I think he's an, as a natural holding midfielder. He's a natural to start there. And I think Lass has had a really good start to the season. So I don't want it to be, if he does come in, I don't want a player to come in who... Um, kind of spoils another Lincoln City player's career, but we can't go into um, the the period after the transfer window closes with the midfield that we have now, in my opinion, um, because if Lass was injured, who plays the holding role, Max? Uh, okay, we can probably cover the the eight, the, the double eights, um, but for me, it's just a really crucial position, especially when you want to play out from the back. Because even if you bypass that midfielder, you play out from the back, you go down the flanks, and, and you saw it, you saw the presentation that Mark Kennedy did. He's willing to go down one flank to then come back to free up a position further over the field. He's very intricate with it. And it doesn't necessarily involve the holding midfielder, but it does involve fullbacks. It involves fullbacks going forward. And what Liam Bridcut did excellently was when the fullbacks were out of position, he was the one that covered. So the central defender didn't have to go across. We didn't leave space anywhere. We could keep our shape. He was like, I likened him like water. Do you know what I mean? He, he filled in all the cracks. Mm. Um, and and that's the sort of midfielder that we need. And I think, yeah, Lass can do that. He's, he's got he's got his engine. He works really hard. I think he's a good player. But I think just having that experience as well would be good. So I think Alex Gilby would be um, a strong signing. I don't really care whether it's on loan or permanent or, or, or whatever. I know that Charlton want him out. Um, he's played. He played against QPR for them. Played ninety-seven minutes against QPR for them, and they beat QPR to be honest on penalties. But other than that, he hasn't actually played an awful lot since he was sent off against us. I think he's only completed ninety minutes. Nearly completed ninety minutes twice after they played us, um, and obviously, and, and once this season as well. So, um, I think he's the profile of player that we we should be. Um, signing, uh, which, if you're happy, takes me on to another bit of potential business. And this one is different because this one's come through D3, D4 rather than a, a like a newspaper or a local paper. So the validity of it, not seeing anything casting aspersions on D3, D4, but at the minute it's kind of a, it's what I would call a half and half source. Some bloke on Twitter says it, don't believe it. Some bloke in local press says it, believe it. D3, D4 is kind of in the middle. Um, but Jack Diamond from Sunderland, Jack um, is a player I liked a lot when he was at Harrogate. I remember him coming through the ranks at Sunderland uh, when I was writing for Football League World, and he was one that was highly rated. And um, I thought that he'd gone off on loan to Darlington, but I was wrong. Um, so he went off on loan to Harrogate. He's done very, very well at League Two level. Um, League One level, I think he scored once in 27 games, and that was against us. Mm. So I'm not sure he's quite proven at League One level yet. Um if it's a loan, I don't, I'm not sure he will play enough games for it to be a loan from Sunderland. 
I think if he comes here, I don't think Diamond would start 30 games for us with Vernon and with Scully and with Garrick. Um, but he is the sort of player that we would normally be looking at. He's quick. And and you know, my thoughts on Diamond are, if Sunderland do get promoted this season, he ain't going to go back and play for Sunderland. So is he the sort of loan like Tashan and like Jordan Garrick that actually is alone with the thought to he could become a Lincoln City player at the end of it, like TJ was. Because that's with Tashan. Tashan's out of contract at the end of the season and he could be our player for nothing if he does well. Jordan, I think there's an option, but he's out of contract at Swansea with a year option. So it's, it feels like it might be that type of signing, which is interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on Jack Diamond? Yeah, I've, you know, like you, I, when I was at uni, I was covering um, League Two for the 72 and and saw him at Harrogate and was really impressed because he was in that team uh, with Jack Muldoon that you always kept an eye out for because of Jack uh, and and Jack uh, uh, and and uh, Jack Diamond I should say um, stole the headlines a bit with his first loan move I think um, he done really well um, and then goes back to Sunderland and I can remember watching that game on iFollow against Sunderland where they absolutely was it four what four nil was it four nil at home. Yeah, we didn't score in the second half, did we? Yeah, it's no, and, uh, but Bren- but Brennan should have scored twice before they even yeah. before they even scored. Um, uh, and Jack Diamond scored a pretty tidy goal and looked a real handful that day. Um, uh, and I've, maybe it might be a Mark Kennedy thing that he seems to be like signing attackers that have scored against us previously because because Jordan Garrick's done the same when he was at Swindon. So um, yeah, my, my thoughts on Diamond he's a he's a quick winger. Maybe the the idea is then to to perhaps make Jordan. Jordan, perhaps the the backup centre forward because he's he's been out on loan and played centre forward before, um, giving us Jack Diamond, um, and also if we wanted to revert to that um, five at the back that we can play, Jack Diamond can play right wing back. I think he's done that for Sunderland a few times, um, and then he went back on loan to Harrogate last year, did he not? Um, and done well there. I think he's I think he might have scored fourteen goals or something like that last year in, in all comps. Um, I did see, I have spoken to Nappers. Nappers said that it was linked with Fleetwood earlier in the window. Um, they've gone with uh, uh, Mendes Gomez, who was at Morecambe. Um, but, but Jack Diamond, he said, would be a quality addition for, for Fleetwood at the time. And, you know, we're probably in the same sort of section of the league as Fleetwood in terms of they've got a bit of money so they can outspend the bottom four. Um, but I would be excited by Diamond coming in purely because he's quick, he's raw. Um, is something perhaps a little bit different to what we've got, um, you know, um, you know, and, and bodies in the forward forward thinking areas are something that we de- we desperately need. Um, and if it's a view to maybe come in here after his loan, um, again, I'm all for it because you know you'd rather these players come to Lincoln and accrue value here rather than doing you know Jack comes in and does really well, accrues value for Sunderland and not us, doesn't it? So. Yeah, I, I I think it'd be a good move if, if we can get our hands on him permanently. Yeah, just looking over his stats, when he was in uh, League 2 last season, it was 13 goals and four assists. Uh, in League 1, just one goal, and that was against us, and three assists. Um, I think during his, his whole time at Harrogate, he'd had 25 goal assists, and that was just in the National League and, uh, and, and League 2. So, 25 goal involvements, rather. So, um, he's certainly a player who has proven himself at the two levels below us. Predominantly plays on the left wing. 
Um, although, uh, he, he, like you say, I think he has played uh, wing back, not regularly for Sunderland. Um, for Sunderland, he's regularly right wing, but he was played on the left wing uh, for um, Harrogate. He has played right wing back, but it was it was 20 minutes um, in February 2021, according to this. So he, he hasn't played there an awful lot and a couple of times early in 2020. But it, you know, he has played there. It does make me wonder if... And Mark Kennedy is assembling a squad that gives the potential to go to a 3-5-2. And if you do that, is Jamie Robson a wing back? I think Jamie Robson's more of a left back than a wing back. So potentially he's looking for someone that can go on the left and the right for pace. Morgan Whitaker did last season under Mike Clapperton. So, um, yeah, I certainly think it's a particularly interesting uh interesting option we ought to move on we're 48 minutes in uh, and we've got a couple of other bits to talk about so first of all injury to carl rushworth um as you're listening to this he's expected back in nine days we're recording on thursday he's expected back in 10 a uh, bit of a blow but jordan wright more than adequate um cover i think yeah yeah i, I mean we were wondering we hadn't heard the the interviews and stuff and news about rushworth before the team came out last night uh tuesday night um, and we're a little bit disappointed, obviously, given the fact he's had a really good start to the season. But you've got to remember, you're cashing mine back to what was it the last 12, 11 games that Jordan Wright played of last season. And some of the games he kept us in, like the Sunderland game, for example, were really good, played really well. So uh, definitely a, a capable replacement, proved himself on Tuesday night. Nothing he could have done about the penalty, but made a couple of really good saves and, and could command his area really well. So you know, as long, he just needs to perhaps learn to grasp the ball. You know, his handling needs to improve a little bit. You know, but but Rushworth is on a on a, on, a, on another level. Um, but Jordan Wright is is more than a capable deputy for the time being. I think. And obviously, Sam Long kept his first clean sheet for Boston this week in a nil-nil draw. I think with Banbury, um, yeah. he didn't play on the opening day when they went down. I don't think he was loaned there actually, was he? By that point, when they lost five-three against Southport. Um, so he didn't play in that game. I think recalling him might be a little bit reactionary. If Carl's only going to be out for nine days, uh, that's Peterborough. Um, and then it, it's Fleetwood at home and obviously Barrow in the Carabao Cup. I think that there are three games we can get through with Jordan, given how he played at the end of last season. Yeah, no, ag agreed. Um, three games that, you know, the Peterborough game, he's probably going to be under a bit of a bit of stress. But the, uh, the other two, you'd think that... Um, he might definitely be comfortable in in terms of the fact that that those defend as long as those def the the bat four in front of them are, are going to be the same regardless, aren't they? So they're all going to know each other and and what they do, and that's the most important thing the the consistency. I think it was twenty four combinations of bat four last season that we used. Um, so just to have you know just to have one change as a goalkeeper um, rather than it being a different centre half, this different this different that. Um, I think it's no issue and, and, and I think it'll be de definitely be fine over the next sort of week or, or 10 days. Obviously, that was my stat, uh, the 24 different things, because I actually remember sitting here one afternoon and going through every single game uh, and I had to try and remember how to do the combinations. So I was writing the combinations down with like the first two letters of everybody's name and oh, what a pain in the ass that was. Um, right, so we mentioned Peterborough there. Carl Rushworth won't be playing. Jordan Wright will be. He's going to have to try and repel the threat of Jack Marriott and Johnson Clark Harris, two strikers who have certainly scored 20 odd goals apiece at this level. Um, so it's going to be a, a tough game. Um, so we'll switch to uh, the audio. Who did you speak to? 
I, I spoke to a guy called Nathan from the uh, Yellow Block podcast. Um, really nice lad. Um, gave some good information. Gave a little bit of insight on that uh, infamous penalty as well from uh, a couple of years ago. He, he, uh, he chimed in on that as well. Um, I'd say there's there's two, but I'll, I'll probably name just the one. I think Bergstrom in goal. Um, I think a lot of our fan base were a little bit worried about him. He'd, he'd never really played first team football. Um, had been in Chelsea's youth academy, so you know he'd had some sort of under 23s kind of minutes. But he's he's actually been fantastic. He's made you know a host of saves across across the four games so far, and just seems to have, have just fitted right in. Um, I know he's six foot seven, so you know he's got a bit of an aerial presence about him. Seems a good shot stopper. Um, and, and ultimately it's, it seems to be working out so far. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say Bergstrom. I think, um, anyone that can, can, uh, manage to get past him has, has done a good job, to be honest. He is clearly a quality player and very much one that we just couldn't get into the system really. And, and we, we were playing him as a central midfielder and I don't necessarily think that was his key position. I think he probably was a number 10 more than anything. Um, and, you know, when you're in a struggling side, it's so difficult to find form. And he just, I don't think he showed his, his true ability, his, his true um, quality. And, and unfortunately, you guys, I think, got the best of that, um, whereas we didn't necessarily. And I know we got him on quite the cheap. So, um, you know, we've, I think we've done a fairly good deal to, to get him on and, and move him on to Hearts. So, yeah, it's, it's a shame because I think if, if we could have stayed in the championship, I think he could have proven, you know, real quality. Could have been, you know, definitely a squad option in there. But, but you know, dropping down to League One and I think Grant wanted to, to you know, put his own stamp on things. He's a player that maybe he liked but just couldn't see a role for him. And, you know, I know I, I know that Sammy Smodix has just moved on and maybe Grant would have got more game time, you know, now that Sammy's gone. But, you know, everything's in hindsight, really. And, and you know, I wish him well because I, I think he is a quality player. He just ne- didn't necessarily you know, have the best time with us. I think it, it was certainly a case of, of right player, wrong time, which I think can happen. Um, and it's, it's just a shame for the player. But, you know, I wish him well at hearts. I think, you know, he's playing Europa League football, so he's moved on to bigger and better things, I suppose. You know, you're always a club that's up there. Um, you know, we always have difficult games against you guys. I think um, in the promotion season, we have Dembele sent off against you guys, I think. Yeah. Um, I remember that game just being so frustrated. Mm. Um, but yeah, like I said, you, you tend to have really, really good quality across the board and, and you know, there's usually a, a really difficult fight between the two of us. Um, I mean, you're a fairly local club to us as well, so it's kind of a bit of a derby in that sense. Mm. Um, so I'm sure it'll be feisty in, at times, but but yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. You know, again, as I said, there's so many good teams in this league. You guys are one of them. Um, I, I'm sure that you're going to be pushing for playoffs or at least, you know, that's going to be the aim. So, you know, hopefully some of your new signings do well. Um, ultimately, not against us, but but yeah, I, th- I think you guys will be up there for sure. Yeah, so that that's interesting stuff. I, th- I think the upshot is we're going to have our work cut out. Um, we're talking about a team here with the second highest number of expected goals in the division, um, the second highest number of goals scored in the division. Uh, we, you know, they're they're just on a roll, aren't they? They're a particularly young squad as well. Actually, got a younger looking at this, a younger average age than us, and twenty three. 23.7 which surprises me yeah and and they've made i think it's a lot of players that that didn't perhaps make the step up to the championship but that are really good at this level obviously you spoke about clark harris um the one i think I'm, I'm definitely keen to keep an eye out is jake jake taylor in midfield um i think he was signed from barnet did really well for barnet in the national league and, and took the step up to peterborough really well 
Um, a little bit of the ilk of Fiorini about him, the fact that he can you know hit the shots from 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 long distance. Um, obviously, the signings that they've made over the summer have been pretty good. Uh, generally, the lad from Leighton Orient, whose name I'm not going to try and pronounce because I, I don't. Uh, they've signed a lad from Chelsea on loan as well, a goalkeeper who um, has looked really impressive in their first couple of games. Kept a couple of clean sheets, although he's not been tested too too much. Um, but then they picked up a really good result on Tuesday, didn't they? Beating Sheffield Wednesday uh, by two goals to nil at home, really good result. Um, and and they've started off pretty well. You know, they ex- they've won the games that you expect them to win. Perhaps maybe expect them to go down to Plymouth and win as well. Um, but Plymouth are no mugs, are they? Yeah, they've got a good side as well. So, yeah, be a difficult game for us down in Peterborough um, for sure. They're a really good side. No how to get out this level. And the last time, obviously, the gaffer was in League One. Uh, they won the he won the league title. So they've done it before. Uh, they've kept a lot of the group together, and uh, I have no doubt. I think I, I think I had them second in my predictions video behind Sheffield Wednesday. Then perhaps I should be thinking about putting them a little bit higher. Well, they can't get much higher, Jake, can they? When you put them second. Well, no. But come on, Todd. You know, math, math, math's not your strong point. No. Well, neither's English, really, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I think I, should, I think I probably should have had them as title winners because it's always better to go up and win a league title on your way rather than just come second. Um, Let me just have a look I'm, and see who did put them as lead. Oh yeah, that was me. Uh, oh, down as title winners. Of course it was. Of course it was. Or else you wouldn't have. Met. Yeah, obviously. Want to mention that? Boost for you there, Gans. Brilliant. Well, they haven't won the title yet, have they? So there's no ego boost. Um, I, I just think that. Some of the points you picked up on there, they've kept more or less the same team that they had in the championship, more or less the same players. They have the transfer model that we we try we're trying really to replicate with the likes of Ben House and Charlie Kendall, as you say, when they signed Jake Taylor. They've done it ever since Keith was there with Aaron McLean and Craig McHale Smith. They've done it very well. They do have as many misses as hits as well, the likes of Alex Woodyard. Ryan Broom didn't come from non-league, but he could probably be classed as a miss there, um, and and a couple of others. And Joe Ward wasn't. I mean, obviously Joe Ward. I think they took from Brighton. Uh, no, they didn't. Did they? He moved to afterwards. He moved to non-league. Woking. Woking, and then came back up. And I mean, Joe Ward's still playing for them. Really good player. I like him a lot. Like Frankie Kent at the back. Another one that they've signed from lower down. Um, they've they've got a good record with it. But those two strikers for me, Jack Marriott and Johnson Clark Harris. I don't rate Clark Harris as much. I think that he had, he, he's been hit and miss at times. He's not one, like if somebody said, which would you prefer for free for now? I'd take Marriott all day long because I think he's a better finisher. Um, I think he's a better a better striker. It might be might be that he's a year or two past it now. Johnson Clark-Harris for me has always been a little bit like a Freddie Ladapo. I've always looked at him and thought, I'm not really sure why he's any good. Um, now I've said that, uh, he's going to score yeah. on yeah. Uh, Saturday. Uh, I mean, I think they... I think they play three across the back, don't they? And five across midfield. Mm. Um, they signed Ben Thompson as well over the summer, who, by the yeah. way, is a player who, you know, again, sh- shouldn't really be in League One. You know, he, he signed for Gillingham last year because of his relationship with Neil Harris. Um, yeah, they're just, for me, they just, they've got the look of a team that are going to start doing a Rotherham, going up, coming down, going up, coming down. But I think they do it with better players than Rotherham, probably just not quite as, you know, robust let's say i think they try and play a bit of football because rotherham never sell players for big money not usually do they you don't see a player leaving rotherham for a couple of million peterborough the model they have they have to play attractive football to attract players like um marriott who they who i think they sold did they sold him to derby didn't they um 
and uh, attract who's the other one that they chose, the Ivan Tony and players like that. You have to play a bit of football and you have to get the ball into areas and you have to score a lot of goals for those players to move on. It's no coincidence that Rotherham's key players this summer left for Sheffield Wednesday, whereas you know Peterborough's key players usually move into you know Brentford, the Championship, didn't they, or, or, or wherever. So. Yeah, I think it's going to be a, a tough game. Dare you do a score prediction? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stick my neck out. I think I think we'll probably get beat 2-0. Um, positive as ever, but I, I think you've got to be realistic and, and think that, you know, from the from the Oxford and the Peter game, I, I probably expected no points. Um, but to come with three out of two at least is good. And then if you compare, if you put it also with the Fleetwood game, perhaps you, you take two, well, not two points, four points from those two if you could. Um, but but definitely, I, I think we might struggle against Peterborough. It'll be a, be a long afternoon. Yeah, I think it'll be tough. We said that against Portsmouth, and we said that against Oxford. And actually, when you look at it, they're three tough away games um, to to start your season with Portsmouth, Peterborough, and Oxford. All play all teams that you would expect to be in and around the top ten. So um, I think to come away with four points from those three games was what I kind of looked at and thought that'd be a hell of a haul. Uh, but that was with seven points from the first three home games well we ain't going to get that so um yeah I, I think i think we'll get beat if i'm honest it's not defeatist it's just the quality that peterborough have got um i'd be tempted to probably go one nil stoic defending late on you know they've got players they can bring off the bench um but it's not a defeatist i think we'll get beat not like you and ben were when we played blackpool um that day and ended up drawing anyway it's not like that this is a we'll go there we'll fight we'll match them we won't be wanting in effort. We won't be lacking in commitment or anything like that. Uh, and I think, you know, those that are going will at least see a Lincoln City performance where you know whatever happens after 90 minutes, you'll go, come on, we give it a go. We give it a yeah, go. and I'm on the fun bus, Gary, with Andy. Are Pearson you on the fun bus here? Me, yeah, me, 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 Chris, uh, Luke and the gang are going on the uh, Andy's fun bus, leaving at 8.45 in the morning. Um, he knows where, you know where Peter is, don't you? I could walk there. From here, but if I leave at eight forty-five in the morning, and, that, and where I used to live, I could also probably have walked it because I would have been closer to the New World, but living, yeah, in, would, um, yeah. living near Boston. So, no, it's eight forty-five that we're uh, leaving uh, Gala Bingo at. Um, yeah, interesting place to meet, but uh, I think there might be one or two, um, one or two pubs visited once we get yeah. down there. And my view of the game might be a little bit skew with on the. The Sunday morning. Not that it ever ever is accurate anyway. No, no, it's not. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I don't know whether they normally stop outside, don't they? They don't normally go into the town that you're playing at. Like when we went to Cambridge, they stop at St Ives. So um, I don't know whether you'll stop somewhere else. Uh, and the last one, I mean, it's not so much of an in-depth look, um, but just a kind of a, a, a glance ahead to Barrow. You would imagine a, a much-changed Lincoln a start for Sean Rowan, a start for Charlie Kendall, a, a, a shuffled midfield, maybe a start for Charles Vernon, Danny Mandrew might be back by then. Um, it's a game we really should be winning, isn't it? Yeah, agree. You know, you always back yourself against lower league opposition. You, It's not really the ideal draw, is it? Going up four hours away on a Tuesday night, you preferably have it at home. Um, but it's an opportunity to get into the, the third round of the competition and, and potentially draw one of the bigger teams and you know um you know that's the sort of draw that we're living for isn't it really um be nice to see some familiar faces obviously i think the one that, that's been brandished about is paul farman um have they have got another ex-lincoln lad at least one that i know of robbie gotts is there as well 
Um, so be good to see him. I think he contributed pretty well during his loan spell. I really liked him. Um, yeah, so it'd be a good game, uh, one you expect to win. They're probably a similar team to the one that, that played against Doncaster. And I think Doncaster are stronger than Barrow at, at League Two level. So you'd be disappointed to go there and, and, and not win, um, especially with the team that we've got. You know, the young lads, um, Kendall and, 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 and Rowan, etc. You expect Jacko to perhaps come in as well, Teddy Bishop to play in midfield. So, yeah. A game we should expect to win, and, and hopefully a nice, 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 lovely tie for Ben in the third round of the Carabao Cup against his uh, his second, uh, first team, probably should say, shouldn't I? <laughs> Nasty bugger. Uh, they've got a few familiar faces actually. They've got Patrick Brough, who played uh, for us briefly, I think, in the National League, um, and and we'll recognise names like Ben Whitfield. He was linked with a transfer to us and went to Port Vale. I think he was going to come on loan to us from Bournemouth. Billy Waters was a player we were linked with and Richie Bennett was somebody that I think we scrapped like hell with in the National League season when he was at Barrow last time. So um, they've got a new manager, <clears throat> Pete Wilde, who did really well, I think, with Halifax last season. Yeah. Won two games thus far this season as well, but they lost 1-0 to Sutton uh, at the in midweek or at the weekend and Sutton were beaten 2-1 by Doncaster. Ergo, uh, the Barrow are worse than Doncaster, but it doesn't work like that, does it? So... <laughs> Um, they're going to be tough to break down. Blackpool couldn't do it. They drew 0 0, knocked Blackpool out on penalties. Uh, so, you know, if we change too much, you're at risk of getting knocked out. If you don't change enough, you're at risk of wearing out for Fleetwood, which is a more important game. But it would be nice to get through to the next round of the cup. I don't like this cup personally. Um, I don't see uh, the financial rewards unless you get the big draw. Um, but get through against Barra and. Yeah, then there's the potential for the big draw. Inevitably, we'd end up going like somewhere like Grimsby away after they've knocked out Newcastle or some shit like that. But um, I don't know though, yeah, guys. We've had some good draws when we've been at, at this sort of level, round before. We obviously we had Everton, didn't we? The year we got promoted yeah. into League One, and we had Liverpool in the yeah. COVID season as well. So we've not had too bad luck with the draw. So hopefully, if we can get one of those big crowds in, what you'd rather it be away, wouldn't you? So you can get a bigger, bigger things better to beat. I don't know if it's 50-50, though, is it? Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know what... Uh, don't know what we, it'd be nice to see other clubs do for us what we did for Bowers and Pitsy, wouldn't it? It'd be nice yeah, to... Yeah, but if it's Man United, it's not as likely, is it? I Personally, I say not away. I Get them at home. Get And, and do you know what? It's actually Man United I'd like to see us play because off the top of my head now, I can't think of other... Man United and Chelsea are the only are the big big teams that we haven't played in our history in cup competitions. Mm. Um, I know we've had Spurs, we've had West Ham, we've had Leicester, we've obviously had Arsenal, we've had Everton, we've had Man City. Um, I can't even think of what else is a big club. We've had Leeds, if, if you count them as a big Have club. Have we had Villa? I can't remember us having Villa. I remember us having Villa in a friendly. But no, I can't remember us having Villa. We had Newcastle in the late, in the League Cup in the late 60s, I think. So, as long as it's not Newcastle away, because those. 52 flights of bloody stairs. I wouldn't be walking up then. No, me either. Me either. Uh, final word then for me as well. Referee this weekend is an interesting one um, against Portsmouth. It's the first time Lincoln City will have been refereed by a, uh, officiated by a, f- a female referee in the Football League, Rebecca Welch. Um, she was a Euro 22 UEFA uh, grade referee in the women's game. Um, so, yeah, just a, a nice little moment of history as well. Can I pick you up on your mistake? We played Peterborough this weekend, not Portsmouth. Did I say Portsmouth? You did, yeah. 
I'll just edit it out. Oh, that, yeah, of course you will. Yeah. Just edit it out. In fact, I'll swap it around. I'll make you look like the fool. You'll go, can I pick you up on my, my mistake? What, we're playing Portsmouth. And I'll go, no, it's Peterborough, Jay. <laughs> and then I'll just put it on a loop. We're playing Portsmouth. Peterborough, Hodge. Um, no. God. I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in because, you know, true perfection has to be imperfect. Exactly. There you are, then, Gaz. It's an Oasis lyric, isn't it? Um, no, no, didn't. Too young, little by little by too young. Lack of taste. The music's out there. You've got ears. You're never too young to listen to a band, Jake. You're just too ignorant to bother to go and find it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I apologise for calling you ignorant. That wasn't fair. <laughs> I've been called worse, such as Todge. So all good. I'm not apologising for that. <laughs> uh, right, so that's about your lot. We're running over here. It's one hour six on the recording, and it's going to be more when we put Jake's interview in. So, um, any other business, Jake? Or are we done? No, all good for me, guys. Just uh, up the imps. Wonderful. Yep, yeah. up the imps. <laughs> The 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.